Hi, I'm Jeff Ray, your host for Economic Outlook. Welcome to our show. We hope you make plans to join us each week as we discuss the region's most important economic development initiatives. Planners have been setting transit goals and priorities in the South Bend, Mishawaka, Elkhart, and Goshen areas with an eye on how to best serve the public through Transpo and the Interurban Trolley. We'll dive deeper into that work and let you know what might be ahead with public transit coming up on Economic Outlook. MACOG and Transpo recently completed their Connect Transit Plan, which takes a closer look at our transit system in the region, how our communities are connected, and what the future holds for public transportation. Today, we're diving deeper into that process in the plan with James Turnwald, the Executive Director of the Michigan Area Council of Governments, MACOG, and Amy Hill, the General Manager and CEO at the South Bend Public Transportation Corporation, or Transpo. Welcome, James and Amy. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Great. James, let me come your way first. So if somebody's not familiar with MACOG and what you do there, give us a little flavor for that. Yeah, so MACOG is a governmental organization that represents St. Joe, Elkhart, Marshall, and Kosciuszko counties. And we were created back in the 1970s. And the reason we were created by all of our local governments is that there are some issues that our local governments um, see as regional issues. And so we tend to focus on transportation, um, community development, and then sustainability. Those are those kind of three areas that we focus on in helping serve our local governments kind of address those regional issues. Great. And Amy, if somebody's not familiar with Transpo, tell us a little bit about Transpo. Sure. Transpo is the public transportation provider for both the cities of South Bend and Mishawaka. Um, we also partner with MACOG and the Inner Urban Trolley to operate a joint route between downtown Mishawaka and Elkhart. Uh, people are usually most familiar with our traditional fixed route bus service, but we also offer paratransit service uh, for individuals in our community that may have a disability and aren't able to ride uh, the fixed route bus. So those are our two primary types of service. Great. Amy, let me stay with you for a second. Talk to us a little bit about just um, public transportation in general, kind of what's happening in this space, even uh, like any trends, anything we need to know, help us become experts on what's going on on public transportation these days. Sure. Public transportation, like a lot of industries, have kind of gone through a challenging uh, couple of years. You know, we um, locally, uh, prior to COVID, we had actually seen our ridership starting to increase. We had five months of consecutive ridership increases heading into March of 2020. Uh, the pandemic was very challenging for transit systems. Uh, we saw our ridership drop down significantly, which was a trend across the country. We're still recovering. You know, pre prior to COVID, we did about 1.5 million rides a year. Um, we dropped down about 40% during COVID. Um, however, we're seeing it come back and it's uh, coming back slowly, but it's there's a lot of positive momentum. Uh, we finished 2022 back over a million, um, about a million 85,000 um, rides. So we're moving in the right direction, but we're also really focused on the future of public transportation and ensuring that we are serving our communities in the best way possible. Uh, we've had a lot of exciting opportunities with expanding some of our ridership programs with schools and universities in the area. So um, there's a lot of positive momentum. Uh, we're also challenged like a lot of industries with hiring right now. We have a lot of open positions and some of that has impacted the, our service levels that we're able to maintain in the community. Great. James, let me come back your way. Talk about the the, the planning piece is really core to, to what you do. As Amy mentioned, you partner on the interurban uh, trolley and on other things. Talk to us a little bit about just sort of what MACOG is uh, is doing in the transit space. 
Yeah, so when it comes to transit, one of the unique things that MACOG does is that we actually do oversee the interurban trolley, which is a five route system over in Elkhart and Goshen. Um, but one of those unique routes that we have is our yellow line, which runs from Mishawaka and goes into downtown Elkhart. And um, we were able to jointly uh, operate that and really uh, launch some improvements to that, um, working in partnership with Transpo. And um, that's been in place since about 2019. Um, but really coming out of the pandemic, we thought that it would be really important based on all the disruption that had occurred around public transit to take a deep dive into how those routes, whether they're transport routes or interurban trolley routes are operating, where are there maybe some efficiencies to be gained and how do we start to plan for the future? Great, no, I appreciate it. And so I think that, that segues into really a, a big piece of this conversation is wanting to talk about this planning process that both of you have been uh, undertaking. I, I mentioned the connect plan a little bit. How about, uh, um, uh, James, maybe we'll come back your way. How about a high level, um, you know, kind of overview of uh, of this connect plan, you know, kind of what, what you've been doing, how you've tried to get input, just give us a, a feel for what's gone into that plan. Yeah, so starting back in around March of 2022, we, um, both Transpo and MACOG, joined together to do this transit plan. And it's really a study of uh, how all of those routes currently work, where are their missed opportunities, um, what should we be thinking about in the future. Um, and there was a, a set of visions that were created working with the public, doing a lot of engagement with our riders and a lot of our stakeholders, there were two visions created. One that was focused on a short term and then one that is focused on if we chose to invest more in public transit, what could public transit in this area look like long-term? So kind of a short two-year plan for implementation on some of the short-term stuff and then a longer looking plan for looking into the future, Amy, let me come your way from the from from the operator perspective. So my, my guess is you're sort of annually um, looking at your plans and how you service your customers and some of this, but this is a little bit deeper dive maybe than that's happened in recent years. Share some perspective on the Connect plan and how you've been involved there. Sure. So this was really um, a little bit of a unique opportunity for us to partner with MACOG and really take the deep dive on a regional level. Um, whereas in the past, Transpo, um, it's been over 10 years since we took a deep dive looking at everything. Obviously, we're reviewing our routes on a regular basis, taking uh, public feedback, operator feedback. But this was really, like James said, an opportunity for us to look closely at everything, analyze our current ridership, ensure that routes are operating as efficiently as possible, and make sure that we're really serving those key areas in the community. So, um, you know, one of the key things about this plan was really engaging the public. Uh, the public was engaged throughout the entire process. Um, that also included, you know, feedback from our employees and operators, and also the business community as well, too, to make sure that we we know what those needs are and that this plan will address it both in the immediate future, but also longer term. Right. So, so Amy, let's stay with you for a second. And, and so just you mentioned this engagement, feedback, uh, obviously, uh, you're, you're probably talking to people who are 
regular customers um, who are very familiar with your system. You're probably talking to, uh, to people who have no idea um, or haven't been on a bus for a, a few years. Share a little bit about just sort of the, the sentiment from uh, the public as you're going through this planning process. Sure. And you're right. You know, we did spend a lot of time talking to our current riders to get their feedback. Uh, they're the ones that are out there using the system every day. But it was also really important to talk to the general public and ask them, you know, what they know about Transpo, what it would take for them to be able to ride the bus. Um, you know, are we going to the areas where they need to go? But also, are we being useful? You know, one of the challenges can be if you're operating a route that's maybe, you know, only 30 or 60 minutes, it can be a time consuming process to get to where you need to go. So really addressing that. Um, also talking to employers. Uh, sometimes transportation can be the biggest gap in, in getting those employees to the places they need to be um, to earn the wages to support their families. So um, it, it really was an interesting process. So it's often we rely just on those are riding, but it's also important to talk to those that may not ride or may not be familiar with our services. Great. Guys, we're going to take a quick break here in the studio, or, um, and we're going to go out into the field. George Leffen Yotis, my co-host, is out with a little field interview to add to what we're talking about here in the studio. George, let me toss it to you. Thanks, Jeff. I'm on the south side of South Bend. I'm joined today by Amy Hill, CEO of what we affectionately call Transpo. Yes. Amy, thanks for being with us today. Absolutely. Glad to be here. Tell our viewers a little bit about why we're on a bus today and what this brand new bus is all about. So we are on one of our brand new CNG buses that was just recently delivered and that we're getting ready to phase into service while we phase out the last of the remaining old diesel buses. So when we say CNG, we're talking about compressed natural gas. Correct. Okay. And what is the benefit of that fuel versus a traditional diesel fuel bus? So compressed natural gas, CNG, is an alternative fuel. So it is significantly cleaner to operate. It reduces the emissions that we are putting out every time we operate a bus. And there's also some significant fuel savings for the organization as a whole compared to diesel. So win, win, win. <laughs> exactly. All right. And how many CNG buses do you currently have in the fleet? So we are soon to have a total of 50. They are all on property getting ready to go into service. And so our fixed route fleet will be 100% CNG within the next couple of weeks. And that hasn't, seems like you're, you're making it sound like it all just happened very quickly, but that's been a long process to get it's there. It's been a long time coming. So our board made the decision to pursue alternative fuels um, over 10 years ago. And so we started receiving our first CNG buses back in 2014. And one of these babies costs? About $540,000. So, <laughs> so it's certainly it's not an easy process. Yeah, it's taken right. some time. We've had to apply for competitive grants to get to where we are today. Let's talk about the role of the bus in our community. You service South Bend, Mishawaka, as well as a partnership with Elkhart. Correct. So we work with MACOG and the Inner Urban Trolley. So we have a jointly operated route that runs between downtown Mishawaka and Elkhart to help improve those connections between the communities. And that helps with workforce development and making sure people are at the right place at the right time. Exactly. That connection to jobs and other opportunities is huge for our community. That's awesome. So, but the buses go beyond just carrying adults. We were talking a little bit before we went on air. There's a dual role here with this bus. Can you talk about how students utilize the bus? Service? Sure, absolutely. We have a lot of ridership programs in place, including South Bend Community Schools, where middle school and high school students can ride for free by showing their school ID. We also partner with School City of Mishawaka and provide what's called school triple service since they don't have regular school bus service for all their students. So the middle school and high school students can also ride for free. Um, we also in the summer have a summer travel program where all K through 12 students can ride for free. We see that as a great way to introduce students to public transportation early 
early on. And when you say all summer they can ride for free, so a student maybe could ride to a summer program at Leaper Park or at a particular school that doesn't maybe that has a program they don't have near their home. Exactly. So they can ride anywhere throughout South Bend and Mishawaka just by showing their ID, whether they're attending summer school or maybe they have a summer job, um, going to programming at the library, all sorts of things. We're able to provide those connections. So as we as our viewers see the bus behind us, in addition to being CNG, it is really a comfortable environment. Would you say, I know that COVID did something to ridership, mm -hmm. right? I mean, it like many industries, anything that involved the general public suffered. Uh, but you guys are coming back from that, aren't you? We are. You know, all public transportation systems were pr hit pretty hard by the pandemic. Uh, we saw our ridership dip by about 40%, which unfortunate timing because we were seeing the first surge in increasing ridership in years. But we are coming back from that. So in 2022, we were back up over a million rides. Uh, we're striving to get back to where we were at 1.5 million rides per year prior to COVID. So as we look at the, the, the nature of the bus and how it feels and how comfortable it is for people to sit on it, uh, that's also part of your strategy in, in getting, increasing the usage. Absolutely. With our newer buses, it's a significant upgrade from a 20-year-old bus. <laughs> so we have new seating. Uh, the seating is actually made and manufactured in Elkhart. Um, we do have additional capacity with these buses. We have a few extra seats over the other ones. Um, our buses are also all handicapped accessible, so we can accommodate wheelchairs, scooters on board the buses. Our newer buses actually have expanded bike racks, so we can now carry three bikes per bus, whereas it used to be two. So we see a lot of folks taking advantage of that as well. Well, that's awesome. You touched base on something that's very interesting to me that you told me before we started filming, and that was that was it 40% of this bus is made in the state of Indiana? That, that's correct. So we work with um, New Flyer. They're our bus manufacturer. And so actually 40% of the components on board this bus came from the state of Indiana. So it's our seats here behind us. It's the stanchions. Uh, it's a uh, Cummings engine, Allison transmission, all made and manufactured in Indiana. So by upgrading our buses and securing federal grant funding, we're also reinvesting back in the economy for the state of Indiana. Now, one last thing. I know you're going to be in the you're in the studio with Jeff as well, talking more about Transpo and some of the the challenges, but also exciting things that are happening. But it's beyond just the bus, right? There's also Transpo also operates a number of stations. How is that going for you? It's going well. So our main transfer station is South Street Station in downtown South Bend. So we also have a smaller station in Mishawaka, the Mishawaka Transfer Center too. Um, and then other key connection points are locations like University Park Mall and Town and Country Shopping Center in Mishawaka. So that's where um, riders can transfer in between different routes and really get to anywhere throughout our service area pretty easily. That's awesome. If, uh, if you had to kind of identify what the next 10 years might bring Transpo, what would you say your goals are? You know, our goals are certainly to continue increasing ridership and making sure that we're serving our community to the best of our ability. Uh, we'll also be taking a look at a fuel feasibility study to make sure that CNG continues to be the best option for us long term and what other resources might be out there as well, too. Um, we're constantly looking to partner with other organizations in the community, whether it's businesses or social service agencies. Transportation is so often a gap to those resources, and we want to make sure that we're doing what, what we can to make those valuable connections. Well, Amy, thank you. Thank you for showing off your new toy, and uh, good luck with the new buses, and good luck with the rollout. Thank you. We appreciate it. Thank you. Jeff, back to you in the studio. As I often say, I'm here finding the links that connect our community and Transpo, public transportation, and getting people around is a big part of that.
All right, we're back in the studio. George, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Always love having you out in the field, telling some great stories and really has enhanced, I, I hope, I think our conversation that we're having here in the in the studio, or actually on Zoom uh, today. So James, let me come back your way. So Amy mentioned that as you're going through this planning process and you're looking at routes and what barriers pe people may have like to work or different things or route related, you know, we're talking a little bit about frequency in particular. Talk a little bit about that as a, as a priority as, as, as you look sort of at short-term, long-term, respond to the public, uh, help, us, uh, help us understand what thinking is going on there. Yeah, so a lot of the thinking um, with public transit, especially around frequency, is that we want to have service that is convenient. Right now, a lot of the service in our region, the bus comes every maybe 60 minutes. So once an hour, the bus shows up. And that is basic lifeline service that if you absolutely need public transit, that you, there is at least an option available to you. But having routes that are more frequent is more convenient and a better overall service. If you think about it, a private vehicle, your car is always ready to go when you want it. But transit is only ready when a bus comes. And so if a bus is coming very infrequently, it is not necessarily convenient service. And so folks may not choose to ride because of this infrequent service. And so frequency really provides a lot of freedom and reliability. And so the vision for the future, say in the South Bend market, as we look at what type of transit system we want to have, there are some options there where we could invest, say, about $2.8 million, and that would get us five, uh, five routes that are frequent and showing up every 15 minutes, which would be very convenient service that our region has never seen. Great. Amy, let me come back your way. I probably should have asked this question sooner, but but help educate me and the, those that are watching. Where did, where's the money come from to uh, to run a bus system or a transit system? Sure, that, that's a great question. So we receive funding um, on the local, state, and federal levels. Uh, locally, it's primary through property taxes. That is our biggest source of funding. Um, the state of Indiana then has the public mass transportation fund that helps to fund um, all public transportation agencies across the state. Um, that's traditionally been a line item in the state budget. It's now moving over um, under INDOT. Um, unfortunately, there has not been any significant investment in that fund in over 10 years. Um, so that's really an opportunity for growth on the state level. On the federal level, um, we receive multiple sources of funding through the Federal Transit Administration. Um, that includes operating assistance, um, also for some capital expenses. And then we go out and we'll also apply for competitive grants. So when we're purchasing new buses, we're just in the process of finalizing our, our upgraded fleet to, to compress natural gas. The primary source of those funds were competitive grants, which will cover 80% of it. Then we need to go out and seek an additional 20%, typically on the local or state levels. Great. So, so Amy, let me stick with that because James was talking about, um, you know, kind of frequency and all this. As you said, you're analyzing routes every year, trying to figure out, um, you know, how to best serve the the, mo the public who needs this service. Um, in the plan itself, there, there really were two pieces, if you will, right? The short-term network kind of based on um, current budget, 
and then the additional funding network where perhaps you've got some of those frequency things like James mentioned. Just touch on, on things like that, the, those two elements of that plan. Sure. So the short-term network is essentially a budget neutral. So what can we do based on our current budget to improve service throughout our community? Um, unfortunately, we can't get to that 15-minute frequency under our current budget without cutting service significantly in order to fund that. But there are some really great options that we'll start implementing over the next year or so. Um, for example, our route that serves the Blackthorn area, there's been a lot of growth and development in that area. We can make some budget neutral changes to better serve those businesses that have been asking for transit service. So those are one of the immediate things we can do. Um, looking further down the road, that additional funding network, um, if we were able to implement all that, it would be about an 80% increase of service throughout our, our region, which would be transformational. Uh, we also know it, it's unrealistic. We're probably gonna not going to have that money fall into our laps all at once. So the the plan was designed to stair step that. So as James mentioned, you know, to really see some dramatic changes, um, improving frequency on five routes to 15 minute service would be a small portion of that overall additional funding plan. So we have the opportunity, you know, based as on when we can identify additional funding sources to implement pieces of those to finally get to that ultimate goal of really being able to provide usable service throughout our region. James, let me come back your way. So you're, you're often the, the conduit to federal funds really plugged in and, and what types of dollars are available, um, uh, you know, from a lot of different pots. What's the, what's the appetite um, nationally? I, I mean, is, is, is there an appetite for funding um, public transit? Uh, what, what's going on in that space? Yeah. Um, I mean, public transit saw one of the largest increases in growth for overall federal funding uh, with the recent infrastructure bill, the bipartisan infrastructure law that was passed. There were significant increases for public transit included in that. And throughout really the COVID pandemic, there was a number of bipartisan efforts to ensure that public transit was kept whole during that time period and really being able to allow to um, continue to wade through a very industry disrupting kind of time period. So there have um, been a lot of investments that the federal government is making in public transit. Um, and so there are a number of opportunities, as Amy mentioned, through discretionary grants or competitive grants to seek additional funding. Um, and, you know, I think trying to be able to build a coalition of folks is really what we set out to do in this planning effort is before we say, hey, we need more money to have better public transit. We wanted to make sure that we asked folks, what type of public transit do you want in the future? And then build a coalition of stakeholders who can help kind of work together to find those additional funds to make those investments. Great. And, and Amy, let's build on that in our last about two and a half minutes here. Talk talk a little bit about next steps. So that you've asked for public input. Um, you've got it. You've put a plan uh, together. You're now imagining what transit looks like in the future. Talk to us about those next key steps. Sure. So our next steps really will be to finalize the implementation plan so we can start looking at that short-term network and implementing those changes. Uh, we would anticipate being able to do that yet this year and then see some additional changes coming next year as well, too. So um, and we'll continue to seek uh, information from the public. You know, one thing at, at Transpo where 
you know, we've, we have an updated fleet now with CNG, but we're also, we'll be introducing some, some additional technology to help our riders and future riders um, use our system better. We're adding real-time information. So you can pull up an app on your phone and see exactly where your bus is coming. So making sure that we are um, continuing to invest resources into the current system, um, but also, like you said, planning for the future and being able to implement those changes when we secure additional funding. Great. James, if folks want to um, learn more, understand, read the plan, see what was done, um, where do we send them for that? Yeah, to learn more about the plan, it's just that connecttransitplan.com. Um, and you can get all of the information about all the reports and process, the final document, all sorts of great maps and, and images, and learn a lot more about public transit in the area. Or they could always uh, take a look at uh, MACOC.com as well to get more information about things that we're working on at MACOC. And, and generally, maybe James or Amy, either one, that even though the you, you've had the public comment, you developed the plan. My guess is you're, you're both are always open to input from folks. Uh, should, like people shouldn't think they missed the window if they have thoughts on how to improve or enhance public transportation, they should reach out at any time. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, it's I mean, it's it's never too late. We always welcome feedback from anybody. And certainly um, from Transpo's perspective, um, our website is sbtranspo.com. We've got opportunities where you can email, comment online. Um, you know, we're always out there talking to our current writers and, and anyone's always encouraged to provide feedback. Guys, well, thank you so much for being a part of our conversation. Dave. Thanks for the good work you're doing to help uh, provide a, a really important service in all of our communities, South Bend, Mishawaka, Elkhart, Goshen. We're grateful for that work. We'll look forward to having you back as, uh, as this project uh, uh, progresses and as that, as that plan gets implemented. That's it for Thanks, our show Jeff. today. That's it for our show today. Thank you for watching on WNIT or listening to our podcast. To watch this episode again and any of our past episodes, you can find Economic Outlook at WNIT.org or find our podcast on most major podcast platforms. But to encourage you to like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. I'm Jeff Ray. I'll see you next time. This WNIT local production has been made possible in part by viewers like you. Thank you.